The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Great. Welcome, welcome. Very nice to have you. Um, and you missed last week. We're glad you're back. Really nice to see you guys, everybody. Um, <clears throat> so I'm Tanya, Liz, and Bruni are here with me tonight to teach. Um, and we'll do a very similar format to what we've been doing. Um, and we'll start with just a sort of a basic review, overview of the hindrances. And then um, I'll re- um, kind of invite people to share anything, a couple examples of how maybe they worked with desire over this past week. That was the hindrance we discussed last week. And then Liz will introduce the hindrance for tonight, which is sloth and torpor. So, so the um, hindrances are likened um, to, there's a simile that um, likens them to uh, effect on water or a pond. And a mind that is said to be free from the hindrances is a mind that's said to be clear, crisp, to, to be able to see clearly and accurately. So it would be a clear pond, right? Very clear, easy to see. No obstacles. Nothing to obscure what you're looking at when you look into your mind. And a mind that So mind um, with greed. There, and it's dimming. Can you hear me? I wonder if placing it on your jeans pocket is. Okay. Third. <laughs> okay, so um the colored water um the rose-colored lenses is is actually a similar example from our own culture right you hear the term rose-colored glasses somebody's looking at someone and seeing them with this idealistic vision perhaps right um and so ill will the next hindrance is likened to a pond that is hot and steaming and boiling Right, and so ill will is you know generates anger, right, and anger generates heat, and when we are um, 
under the influence of ill will and aversion, right? There's a lot, it's, we're dangerous potentially, right? That's when we can make mistakes and harm self or other. And there's really no clarity in the mind. You know how it is when you're really consumed with anger, you just fixated on that thing, right? And so you really don't have a broad picture and it's, it's not really even safe to look, to try and look closely into the mind because you just, it's the energy of the ill will can be very overwhelming. Like it would be to try and look too closely into boiling water. Then um, the hindrance of sloth and torpor is likened to a pond filled with green algae, right? So there's the sludge, the thickness, the difficulty moving, right? And there's no clarity, and that's one of the um, kind of key factors with sloth and torpor is just so fuzzy, so unclear, right? And you can't really see. You just don't see. You're just like muddled. And then the hindrance of restlessness and worry. So when we are restless and and worried, there's a lot of activity. So it's described as like a pond that has a lot of wind, just gusts of wind blowing across it. And so if you think about what happens to the surface of water when there's wind is everything gets choppy, we get waves. And again, you cannot see into... And um, so then the final hindrance, right, is doubt. And when there is doubt in the mind, it is likened to be a pond that is just mud, right? And when we have doubt, you know, the experience is like that we can't see. It's dark, right? We don't have vision. We don't have insight. And we can't find our way around and so it's hard to get going, right? Doubt, we just doubt. We, it's hard to take action or commit to where we're going because there's this lack of clarity, lack of vision and direction. And that's like a muddy pond, right? So these are the sort of um, ways, classical ways that the Buddha taught that our minds are affected and this can happen in meditation as well as in daily life, that we can find ourselves affected by these hindrances. And the hindering is that they hinder our ability to see, hinder our ability to, to respond with wisdom. They might hinder our ability to access a compassionate intention, right? They, they prevent us or block us or make it difficult for us to access the parts of ourselves that we might want to live from. Which is why it's worthy of spending time getting to know them. And to know that they're, um, they're a normal experience for every human being. So if you have hindrances, it does not mean there's anything wrong with you. Right? And... And they're not an enemy, 
right? They don't need to be attacked. In fact, if we treat them like they're an enemy, they tend to grow, right? And, and more hindrances will arise. You can have something called a multiple hindrance attack. <laughs> so it's very important to understand these visitors, to understand their natural, to understand that they can be really powerful forces, and they can affect our judgment and our actions. So that when we recognize that they're present, we can think about, oh, I'm wearing these glasses. I have this filter on my mind. What would be good action for me to take? What would be compassionate action for me to take for myself, for others, to honor the presence of the hindrance and to honor our own integrity as well. And to then, you know, we've been using the Chow Bella. Hello, Bella. Hello, beautiful practice um, as part of each class as a way of kind of an overview or a guide for the possibilities of working with the presence of a hindrance. So um, having said all that, what I would like to do is see if anyone has an example from this last week of working in particular with um, greed or desire, because that is the topic that we discussed last week, but it could be any hindrance. And their experience working with or encountering this hindrance that they would be willing to share um, briefly with a group. Uh, the hindrance I was kind of caught up in that I, I recognized while at the gym was uh, desire. And it was physical desire for someone that I, uh, a girl that was working out. And normally I'd be like, okay, just ignore it, just go away, just bad, yucky feelings. And But instead I tried to, to be with it. And... And I examined it, and what was interesting is, like, my initial examination was, like, okay, it's taking off the path. This is just merely fantasy. You know, this is nothing. And then I tried to let it go. And and then um, and when it came to the step of A, of, of appreciating it, actually, I, I recognized that um, I kind of went right back into examination. And what happened then is... I realized that there was actually a whole other level of it. What I recognized was when I really looked at it, like she was young, but she had these glasses on and she had, um, she was always very focused and she was more shy. And what that was telling to me was that was actually reminding me of my wife. And, and it was really under, under that was the appreciation of kind of missing the intimacy of my wife and just where that was at and just, and that's something I would have never really kind of explored before. It just was, I handled it superficially or kind of looked away, but that was kind of my, my realization. Thank you for sharing that. That was beautiful. Really appreciate what, what you just shared because you talked about the be in the bellow of be with it, to e-examine it, right? And to work with lessening or letting go. And then the final step, appreciation, and that we can, we can have preconceived notions about what we're experiencing or reactions to what we're noticing that lead us to kind of um, 
do spiritual bypassing or to rush through. Or we just, it's layering. And you, you, you know, both, maybe all of it was true. But that to get there and to realize, oh, there's more and go back was so skillful. Right. It was really skillful. Thank so, you. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, that was a really nice example. Thank you. So, if there's no other burning um, sh- things people want to share then we could move into an introduction to sloth and torpor. And I want to invite the people sitting on the outskirts to please join the circle, and we can make the circle bigger so that everyone can sit together here, if you're willing. Um, And if not, you're absolutely welcome to stay right where you are. So... So, um, our subject for tonight, sloth and torpor. So these are forces in the mind that um, result in a very low energy state and they limit what our effort can do. So sloth is the physical manifestations of this state. You could experience it as heaviness, weakness, lethargy, um, and torpor are the mental experiences of low energy. So it could come up as cloudiness, dullness, or just, you know, drifting off. Um, These are things that, as Tanya said at the beginning, the uh, analogy that's given is it's like an algae-choked pond that, you know, is just cloudy, you can't see anything. If you tried to move through it, it would be, you'd be slogging through this, you know, slimy stuff. And it is something that... um, represents our energy kind of sinking. Sometimes it's called sinking mind. Um, by the way, it, it doesn't mean that energy isn't available. It means that at that moment we can't access it. So if we remove the causes of it, we can access the energy that's here. Um, often people wonder what the difference is between sloth and torpor and sleepiness, like being sleep-deprived. In Silicon Valley and in this culture in general, we are notoriously sleep-deprived. So the way you would tell the difference is that if you uh, felt sleepy and then you, you went and took a nap or you got a good night's sleep and then the next sitting you did sloth and torpor or the next few sittings sloth and torpor appeared again, it wasn't about... Um, sleep. So this is important to recognize. Um, What it does do, you know, what we can do is we can look at the underlying causes of it. So um, sometimes it's being caused by psychological factors. So we might uh, feel disinterested or bored or we might be discouraged or we might be frustrated we, when we get to a place where we feel like giving up or when we get to a place where we feel a great deal of resistance, those factors can result in sloth and torpor. Um, also, it's the case that uh, some of us are strivers. You know, if you strive a lot in your practice, sometimes you'll notice a pendulum swing where you're striving, striving, working too hard at it. You may not even recognize that you're working too hard at it until you slip into this low, low energy state and you start feeling dull. 
Um, another thing that happens to us um, in this culture is that um, we can be chronically kind of tense. Um, we can be very busy, 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 going, doing, you know, all day long we're really maybe in an unrecognized state of mental and physical tension, running around doing a lot of stuff, and then you sit down to meditate and whew, your body compensates or, you know, you go to this low energy state. So there are all these different ways that this can come up. It also can represent or, or be caused by judgments, including self-judgments, or views, underlying views that we may not realize we're harboring. So some examples of those would be, I'm just not good at this. You know, I've always been a person who can't really sit still, so I can't really do this meditation practice. Or, um, I, you know, this is just too hard. This is too hard. I mean, come on. It, it takes, I, I've had this doubt before. It takes years. It takes years. Come on. This is too hard. <laughs> or could be, I've heard people say, this is too selfish. I can't take time away from my family and sit. This is, this is selfish, this activity. So those underlying views can sometimes lead to this mental or physical lethargy or dullness or cloudiness. Um, so what do, what do we do about this? You know, how can we work with this? Um, there are, the good news is that, as Tanya said, there's nothing wrong with you. This is a normal thing that happens to meditators and happens to human beings. And so to appreciate that um, the first thing to do is don't get up and abandon your sitting. Don't give up. Um, stay there on the cushion and allow yourself time to work with it. And there are several different ways you can work with it. One is you can uh, try to arouse some energy. So there are a whole bunch of ways to arouse energy. If you're in this, if you find yourself in this state, you can sit up straighter. You can emphasize the in-breath a little bit more than the out-breath. The in-breath tends to be energizing. The out-breath tends to be relaxing. So you can, you know, sort of more notice the in-breath. You can open your eyes when you're meditating. You can open your eyes and have the lighting bright in the room. Um, you can stand while you're meditating. You'll, you'll see this occasionally here and if you go on retreats, on retreats. Um, you can splash your face with cold water and then come back and sit. If you need to, you can go for a brisk walk and come back. So there are tons of these ways. And the thing about it is, don't think that you just have to do it once. I've sat and been in a state of, of sloth or torpor, sometimes brought on by a, this is really a tricky one, by a belief, oh, I needed more sleep last night. That's why I'm sleepy right now. But then I've, what I've done is opened my eyes, let a lot of light flood in, and, you know, drifted off, drifted off, drifted off. But I just kept renewing my effort to keep my eyes open and keep focusing. And sure enough, within a period of time, and it varies, clarity came. And then it was over. Sloth and torpor were over. So um, these techniques are not things that you just do once. You may have to come back, come back, come back. Be patient with that. You can um, do the E of Bella, examine or investigate what's going on. So you could take a look at, first of all, where are you feeling these things in physically and how do they feel? Get curious about it. 
You know, what exactly does this feel like? Where is it located exactly? I learned a lot about what was happening in my head when I was falling asleep. I could feel, you know, sensations of falling backwards that were very interesting. Um, You could look at what kind of psychological factors might be underneath this. Am I discouraged? Am I frustrated? Am I bored? Am I disinterested? Am I giving up? You know, despairing? Am I, you know, doing some kind of thing psychologically that's leading to this? Then you can also look at underlying views. What ideas do I have about myself and my meditation? By the way, sometimes when something very painful or very or very difficult or challenging is about to come up, we'll slip into a state of sloth or torpor. I had that happen on retreat the last two weeks. One day, prior day, everything was great. Mindfulness was working. The next day, I could not overcome sloth and torpor. I tried all day long. The next day, something big came up. So I think my mind was resisting it. Resistance that we don't even know that's there can slide us into this state of sloth and torpor. By the way, if you find that this is chronic, sometimes um, there, are, uh, there can be a lack of meaning or purpose in your meditation or in your life. And it's good in that case to spend some time reflecting Um, Maybe, you know, reflecting in yourself, writing, or having a conversation with a good Dharma friend or a Dharma teacher about it. So you can avail yourself of that. Um, Tanya, earlier this week, sent Bruni and I a little quick email reminder uh, from the teachings of Sayadaw Utejaniya, who is a wonderful Burmese teacher of daily life practice. And his recommendation for sloth and torpor was to drop in to your meditation one word or a simple question without the expectation of an answer and just see what happens. So that's an interesting idea. You know, finally, like like we've said, don't give up and, and be easeful and patient with yourself. These are normal human things. You just have to um, kind of do the best you can with it. And over time, your skills at this will improve. By the way, you may not encounter sloth and torpor. You may have already experienced it or you may not encounter it for a long time. I was here for years. I, you know, I suffered more from restlessness and worry um, and aversion than I did sloth and torpor. And then one Sunday I was sitting here and I had to get up to give an announcement and it was like somebody had slowed down my rate. I could barely get the words out. It was really, and I was like, Whoa, I guess this is sloth and torpor. This is sinking mind. So it may take a while, um, but when it comes, you'll, you'll get acquainted and you'll know what it is. And these will be some ways to work with it. So thank you. Can yeah. Um, what do you mean when you say you can drop in a word? to your meditation. What right. Is, what is that actually? Okay. What so do you, do? you you've th- this is a very good question. So you've established your meditation and and you're, you know, breathing in, breathing out and you've become you've settled over a period of your meditation. You've had that experience, right? Um, after you're fully settled, if you found that you realized there wasn't strong enough mindfulness and you felt the state of sloth or torpor, 
by the way, it is a, an absence. Mindfulness is not accessible at that moment. What you could do when you became aware of it is you could just drop in a question. Like the question could be as simple as, what is this? And you're not demanding to know, I have to know what this is. You're just dropping in, what is this? And you'd be, you'll be surprised. You can experiment with this. Maybe try it this week and see what happens. You know, for any of the hindrances. And then next week we can talk about it a little bit more. But sometimes you drop a question in and you don't think about it then. But your body will produce something. Like, I didn't know what the heck was happening on retreat, why I kept slipping into sloth and torpor, slipping in. And so I was kind of like, what is this? And the next day, bam, the difficult psychological material went, boop, there it was. So I didn't have to think about it. I just said, what is this? And the next day it manifested. So that's what is meant. Um, Okay, so that's, you just... Just once during the yeah yeah you just think sitting. you just think you one just, one simple thought it could mm-hmm. be what is this or it could be sloth you know you could just you drop a word in and then just see what comes back if anything if nothing comes back no worries okay, okay. thanks You're another welcome. question I like is what am I aware of and just sort of letting it, the awareness kind of answer the question about what can I be aware of in this experience of sloth and torpor. So we have a guided meditation next. Okay. So, was, um, so we'll do a meditation and we'll invite uh, you to connect with sloth and torpor. Um, and so if you want to slouch in your chair... <laughs> <laughs> To, to support the condition arising, if you have trouble accessing it, then actually it might be a great experiment for you to notice how the physical form that your body holds can really impact the state of mind, literally. So you feel free to lay down as well. Um, or, you know, if sloth and torpor is relatively accessible for you, um, it, you know, it's probably a good idea to to do the normal taking upright postures, which is so right now, let's decide on our posture, come into the body, come into the experience of sitting, being, wherever you are, taking in the sensations, the settling. And I want to really encourage you to take a few deliberately long, slow, deep, conscious breaths, really feeling the inhale and the exhale. And with the exhale, invite any unnecessary or extra tension, stress to leave the body. And I'm going to leave you in um, a little bit of silence for just a minute or two to just establish yourself here to make an intimate connection with your breath and body here before I offer further instructions.
So now I'm going to invite you to reflect on the times that you might become fatigued, you might feel a lack of energy or the absence of motivation in your life or in meditation. And without working hard at this, hopefully, just inviting a moment to come to mind of feeling worn out or feeling a lack of motivation to practice. Just take a moment to connect with that memory or experience the feelings in the body, the way the mind moves. And if it's not accessible or difficult, it's not a problem. Just relaxing as best you can with these reflections. Knowing that the hindrance of sloth and torpor can in its most extreme form feel like being imprisoned the inability to get out or move or see. It's very difficult. There's no inspiration in the mind that is like an algae-filled pond. So to whatever extent you can reflect on or connect with this state, Take a moment with the bee of Bella to just be in the presence of this experience, sensing the presence of sloth and torpor in the body and mind. Just being with the experience, being with the memory of the experience. Noticing whatever extent there's mental or physical tiredness, hopelessness, perhaps a feeling of resistance or lethargy. And taking your time to turn toward this kind of experience. Simply aware.
as you feel ready, you can move into the E of Bella, the examining how this hindrance arose. Were there thoughts or stories underlying the experience? Is there perhaps something you are resisting or frustrated by? Perhaps you feel complacent or like giving up. Or maybe there's been some chronic tension, stress or excitement. Weariness can follow bouts of excessive desire or ill will. Just sort of asking, allowing the mind to notice without doing a lot of excessive analyzing or thinking, receiving information that arises And if it's not clear, just knowing it's unclear. And when you're ready, you can move to the lessening, to practices and experiment right here and right now by inviting a sense of heightened curiosity, remembering what it feels like to be interested, to be curious. you might feel a sense of uplifting energy of sitting more upright to support this curiosity. And without struggling against these energies, finding ways to stay with the meditation and arouse more balanced interest and focus. Maybe breathing more deeply a few times. And if there's stories going on about defeat or danger or difficulty, 
working to not reinforce those, but to see them as stories in the mind. And notice if that has any effect in supporting the lessening. And in order to really encourage you with this practice, I want to invite anyone who is interested to try very mindfully, slowly, to try shifting their posture to a standing posture. And just notice, observe what happens with the energy in the body and mind as you do so. Really taking in the impact, really feeling it. And as you're ready with the next L of Bella, the letting go, we want to just take a moment to reflect and think about how to let go fully of this hindrance and also how to prevent its future arising if there are skillful things to recognize. Number one, take a moment now to connect with a sense of purpose, the purpose and meaning, your intention for being here your intention for practice. And take a moment to notice what conditions in your life you can do to support more awakeness. Any resolve or need for more sleep or better food Maybe you need more exercise. And combining this intention, this heartfelt desire to spend time and energy cultivating this practice with the recognition of whatever it would be that would be supportive for you. And whenever you feel ready, you can take your seat again. And notice, mindfully as you sit down and you are here, to then move into the A of Bella. Just reflecting on the arising and the passing, the the coming and the going of whatever amounts of sloth and torpor you were able to connect with. Feeling the energy shift 
and appreciating the moments where there was more energy, more clarity, more freeing, more lightness and well-being. Just as when a man has been thrown into prison, but some time later he or she is released from that prison, she is safe and without fear, and he or she do not suffer loss of property, and at that they rejoice and are glad at heart. As it is when sloth and torpor are lessened or absence, there can be this sense of freedom, of energy flowing. It's a beautiful gift. So let's, um, would somebody pick up the microphone and let's um, pass it around. And um, if you have uh, anything from your meditation experience right now that you would like to share or comment on that um, would deepen our connection to the hindrance of sloth and torpor, I want to invite you to, to do so. And you're very welcome to pass the microphone if you feel uncomfortable sharing. And if, um, Mary, you want to join the circle, please feel free to do so, as well as, you know, either of you there are still, there's a chair here and there, so. Sure. This is so sloth and (laughs) torpor-ish. Yeah, so, um... When I first got here, I was feeling like very agitated. And so I think I'd also eaten a lot too. And my body was just overwhelmed. So I think it just kind of shut down. I like sort of uh, fell asleep during the Dhamma talk. And then it felt good when I stood up because I felt like my energy was flowing more. I deal with trauma and when I meditate and sometimes like all the energy just sticks in one place in my stomach area so I felt like more more strong stronger and just more flowing when I was able to stand up and more grounded great so I've been falling asleep every time I come here the last few weeks. Maybe not every time, but uh, maybe every time almost. And I've been coming a lot the last few weeks. Um, and I did today too, but um, yeah, but I actually definitely need more sleep. But it's interesting to notice standing up just and, and while you were speaking, just noticing that, oh yeah, it does feel good when this when I know this tiredness around my eyes like kind of lifts and I'm not yeah it feels a little free from that that that, that felt nice 
kind of subtle, so I hadn't really paid attention to it recently. But yeah, it was nice. Oh, there's there's something kind of engulfing about sloth and torpor, whereas um, uh, with uh, with desire you feel like there's an energy that you could kind of decide not to participate in and sort of observe and stuff. But I always I feel with uh, sloth and torpor, it's like I'm trying to climb out and it's taking me, yeah. it's dragging me in, yeah. and yeah. And I really identify with the sleeping uh, issue because that's that's been one of my primary things I've been grappling with. Great. So I can echo that same thought. Um, I was busy, 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 busy all day. And then I sat down, and as soon as your voice started going, I, just, <laughs> I could see my, my mind was just settling down. And then it went to that edge where it was, it went into the, I guess, the pond that was full of the algae. And then things were, I couldn't get out. I just felt like I was like mm-hmm. swimming in this, like a veil or a cloak was covering me. And then when I stood up, I could feel the sensations rising. So my head felt a little lightheaded, and that woke me up because then I'm like, oh, I have to keep my body upright. So I felt a lot of sensation in my legs, and that helped me um, wake up. And then when I sat down, I was much more light. I was able to focus more, and I could see the coming and the going. So that was great. Awesome. Actually, I... I did miss last week on desire, um, but in the past two weeks, as part of my practice, I shifted out of my normal layout where I meditate. Um, I ended up picking up an extra small, like, low table and taking the space that I normally meditate out of the bedroom and into a plain white wall in a corner. Um, and the moment I did that, it was a real challenge. But then as I went through the practice, I kind of realized that the, the sleep and torpor and uh, physical laziness and mental laziness and some of those things, they also were in a way their own. It was desire as well mm-hmm. because sleep can also be like mm. you want to escape from reality and go into a dream. Yeah. Um, so I'd rather there was some nights where I just wanted to dive into sleep, knock out all actual re- external reality. Yeah. Um, so that inactivity, you know, you're in this circle. So, um, so the first week of having the space just change was discomfort in itself. And then after that process sort of um, leveled out, um, you know, I, I came to a point to sort of acknowledge it for what it is and say that this is sort of the space that I can minimize things down to the parts of practice. 
and not about all the external things that I could have around my bedrooms full of tons of things that the mind could wander into. And just having white wall, one corner, no windows. So it's not sensory deprivation entirely, but it takes down a lot of that. Um, so tonight, going through that balance and then standing up, um, I'm not sure exactly that I could say that there was more clarity or less, but I would almost want to take the challenge the next time of doing the whole thing with my eyes shut mm-hmm. and see what <laughs> actually mm-hmm. occurs if, if I was as in my normal state of meditating and to try and do that. Um, I don't know. It might be different. It might be the same. I hope you'll experiment. I just found this to be a really interesting exploration. Um, I'm aware that tiredness can be related to what I ate. Like if I had something sweet, a lot of times I get really sleepy afterwards. Or um, a lot of times at night I can have difficulties sleeping because of... um, the chatter that keeps going on in my mind. And um, so it it was just a really interesting thing to explore. And I was lying down with my, at the beginning of the meditation, with my legs up on a chair. And then, so it required quite a shift to stand up. But um, just really how differently that felt in my body and... um, Anyway, I just found it interesting. Um, I was focusing, trying to, like today I just had a, at work, just couldn't get into it today. Yeah. Just didn't feel like doing it. And so I was focusing on that as an example of, of, Corporate, I suppose. Uh, Great. But um, I found it difficult to really examine or access those feelings because it seemed really that it was more like an absence of feelings. So it was it was harder to access than it would be like you know desire or something like that. Um, so that's yeah. what came up for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about sleep a little bit. A little brief public service announcement that you can learn from my experience. Sleep fatigue is a real problem in this area. I'm an example of this. I, uh, I had chronic sleep fatigue. I put it off for a long time, you know, and I, it's like I snored a lot. And I sought treatment because I had to. And that's... If you think that you have sleep issues at all, go get them taken care of. If you have a partner that snores a lot, get them to go. Because even when you address sleep fatigue, it actually takes up to three months to come out of it. So for me, it took it's like coming out of a cloud where I thought like you could, you know, initially like you're just sleeping and you're happy, but you don't even see it. So every day it could take three months, and 
In this area specifically, people neglect sleep. So if you have issues with it, it's not a big deal. There's tons of sleep clinics that will do it. It's not like you have to go to Stanford and get a sleep study. There's take-home stuff you can do. Just get it taken care of, and that will help you differentiate between that and Thank you for the beautiful public service announcement. (laughs) I think it's really important, and I really appreciate your highlighting the fact that we are exhausted and that we need to attend to our needs. Yes. Thank you. So is there anybody else? Yeah, one more? Okay. Thank you. So so I feel very similarly that um, it feels that I couldn't identify sloth and torpor, and I've always struggled with that to really identify sloth and torpor because desire and aversion, you can, you can see it as I'm doing something, whereas it seems like it's more involved in the ego. So mm-hmm. without the, with the ego still there, then you can't see it. Um, it's almost as if, as if the ego has to go away before you can even access sloth and torpor. And what seemed to help me was when you reminded us to think of the times where you have energy mm-hmm. and had inspiration and that contrast was helpful great to 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 compare great um, could you pass the mic back you didn't get a chance if you'd like to okay <laughs> all right thank you i just wanted to make sure <laughs> oh, no 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 yeah yeah everybody in the room <laughs> yeah, did who didn't have a chance please yeah. um so for me, uh, lethargy and sloth is not uh, something that is uncommon. It's something that I would expect to be very easy to, to pull out. But in this uh, uh, experience here, trying to actively bring it forth and, and embrace it, it, it seemed kind of hard to find. And uh, I wonder if perhaps it's to do with the fact that when trying to embrace it and bring it forth, it runs away in a sense. And when you're trying to fight it or... Or yeah. try to keep it away is when it has its yeah. most strength. So it was very yeah. interesting for me. Thank yeah. you. Absolutely, curiosity kills it. <laughs> um, I, you know, I forgot to share something earlier about sloth and torpor that I promised my colleagues I would share about. Another way you can slip into it is by being complacent. Meaning, your meditation is so comfortable. Your body feels so great. You, you are blissed out and you fail to be attentive to the meditation that's another way it happens and thank you for the point about ego we can be identified with things that result in sloth and torpor so thanks very much okay so now that we each some of us shared a little bit of our unique experience. Another way to to explore uh, sloth and torpor is by being in small groups uh, so that we hear from others also in other ways, in other contexts, what is the experience. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and, and do small groups. And let me explain first before you move into looking for two other um, spiritual companions on the path. (laughs) So we're going to have a group of three, and each person will speak for three minutes, okay? Three minutes. While that person speaks, 
please, the other two people will witness. It's, so, it's, it's such a gift to have the space to explore your experience while other people are witnessing you and giving you the space, the respect. It's, so, it's something that we don't see very often. Um, so you will witness uh, while the person is speaking and exploring the topic. And so I'm going to read the questions when you get into a group. And after the question, we're going to have a minute for you to reflect on it, and then you're going to start speaking. Okay? So let's set the small groups of three. Let's see. Um, Yes, I think you can have, yeah, yeah. Go for it, guys. Go for it. (laughs) It's not a trouble. Okay, great. Now that, yes, introduce yourself to your companions on the path. Okay, so here is the first question. Let's listen to it and take a pause, silent moment for reflection. The question is, what role does sloth and torpor have in your life? What role does sloth and torpor have in your life? Let's take a moment just to reflect on this. Go ahead with the first person. Let's say the person with the longest hair. And you will have three minutes. And please witness, witness. So the second question is, What underlying beliefs might support sloth and torpor? What underlying beliefs might support sloth and torpor? And you will have, again, three minutes. So uh, let's take a minute first to settle with this question and see. 
what comes up for you. What underlying beliefs might support sloth and torpor? So now just take some few seconds to just settle, just a minute, just to settle, checking in with your body. Yeah, deep breath. Some deep breaths will be nice. And then let's uh, report out to share with members of your group how was it to listen to yourself and others talking about sloth and torpor? How was for you? And maybe also expressing some appreciation, you know, of how it's been sharing and the benefit of, you know, talking about this, you know, in community. So take a a, a minute or two to do that. Okay, so let's go back to the big circle. So it sounds like you all enjoyed your discussions with one another. So um, uh, just to give a little brief summary of what we visited tonight, uh, sloth and torpor, these very low energy states, actually contain one of the trickiest uh, problems. The problem is that's when there's a lack of mindfulness. You know, this, these states where you, you can't, you're not in a state of mindfulness. And so this bringing it back in is the way that it, the mind wakes back up. Um, keep in mind that you can come at it from two different directions. You can find yourself in this state after you strive too much. You know, you've been in a state of tension all day or working or expending a lot of energy in your practice. Even if it's, it can be very subtle. You can be sitting there going, thinking you're very relaxed, but there's some part of you that's working really hard at it. 
So keep in mind you can come at it from that direction um, or from a state of overwhelm with too much of whatever experience is going on in your life. Or it can come from through this door of feeling blissed out and so relaxed and just the sitting feels great and now I'm drifting off and no longer paying attention. So that's that's an important doorway. And then the way you're going to uh, bring mindfulness back is by this idea of curiosity, you know, arousing more physical energy, standing up, sitting up. Um, so there are ways to get there. And then this is a great one for investigation, exploring the underlying beliefs and psychological states or even what you're doing in your life. I mean, people mentioned sleep as a factor tonight. They mentioned, you know, that their lifestyle has a lot to do with what happens when you sit down. So thank you so much for the practice with this. Okay. So let's start uh, transitioning into uh, closing, ending our circle of tonight. And let's do that by sitting. Taking, taking a posture that supports you. A posture that reminds you that you're here. Here in this moment. Becoming aware of your body, the contact of the body with a chair, the space that occupies this body that reminds you of the present moment. The breath moving through your body without any direction from you, any instruction or agency. Breathing in and breathing out. Just being, living this moment naturally. Welcoming anything that arises for you without pushing or pulling just, oh, okay, I see, I see you. Sloth and torpor, I see you, hindrance, I see you, joy.
And taking a moment now as you breathe to appreciate your efforts to recognize your wish for well-being in your life, to appreciate your contributions in community and in supporting others. and in receiving the support of others. So may the benefit of your practice tonight spread not only to you, but to anyone with which you come in contact your loved ones, family members, friends, strangers, your community, communities of your communities. But it spreads everywhere and touches everyone without exception. May you be free, may you be happy, may you be at ease. May you recognize sloth and torpor. Thank you for your practice. Thank you. There are two juicy little homework assignments on the back of your handout, so you can practice with this this week.